boys? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing? Just sitting here. Picking my nose. Yeah, he is. I'm not picking my nose. <laughs> uh, James, hey. how have you been? I'm pretty good. How about you guys? Pretty good? Yeah. It's, it's a new year. It sure is. Oh, it is a new year. It's a new decade. Yeah. Day. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh. I've heard, I've seen a lot of people very contentious about whether the new decade starts in 2021 or 2020. That was something I was actually thinking about yesterday. I do not like the idea of 2021. I mean, I get it. There was no year zero, but like that just feels weird because that means like the 30s ended in 1941 and so on. And that just seems weird. I don't like it. The, the OCD in me doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, it's a nice round number. Exactly. 2020, 2020 to 2029. It's a That's nice one. It makes sense. But also, I've seen a shockingly low amount of end of the decade lists. Yeah. So I think it's a point of contention for a lot of people. Yeah. Actually. Whatever. It's 2020. We're here now. Technically, it's like been a week in 2020. So, mm. you guys, I hope that all of your New Year's resolutions still going strong let's be real 90 percent of them are over with yeah. you've clung on the one thing that was easy and that was not eat chocolate for a week <laughs> probably we need to bring back the old ways you know what uh what, what where your resolutions come from no inform us james yeah originally at yule the the ancient europeans they would swear oaths like you know i will and they stop coming here do x and y and z and if you didn't do it the community would just kill you. So, yeah, uh, they took that stuff seriously, well, man. Jenny Craig would be, like, going through the roof if people had to die. If they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Oh, my gosh. That would be – I'm I, praise the Lord that that's not how it is now because I would have been killed years ago. <laughs> I, I, would not, I would not have overpromised ever. Like, my yeah. biggest resolution would be, like, to not cover my mouth when I sneeze. <laughs> To, to not cover your to, mouth? To, to, like, make sure I never did it again. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, <laughs> literally no sense. the craziest resolution I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I would sneeze and, and make sure that I had something over my face. I would just wear a face mask all year. There you go. So yeah. I would never sneeze on anybody. Okay, so oh, you man. mean... And so I never had to worry about death. You mean that you would, you'd have your mouth covered, but you wouldn't do it with your hands. you sneeze into, like, your elbow or something no i just mean like like you know sometimes you have your hands full with groceries and you can't you're gonna really sneeze and oh you just my can't God, this do is it the weirdest how, phobia i've ever heard <laughs> yeah how often does that happen well you i'm know allergic what? to everything let's oh, yeah. let's let's go into uh let's go into our icebreaker you guys what's your new year's resolution not to talk about my new year's resolutions with you all <laughs> <laughs> oh man wow well, you guys sound so excited and enthused uh, we don't want to be executed about bettering it. yourselves. I want to get my OHP up to two plates. I have no idea what that means, James. Uh, uh, overhead press. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. As if I would know what yeah, that know. means, James. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I want a R-E-D. Red? Right what? every day. Or I guess <laughs> definitely. Oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Read oh every day. Oh my god! 
Oh boy, you guys, we're we're we've spun off bad. into the the ether. I think that that's, that's pretty bad. I can't. Just been upstairs. I was quarantined to our bedroom for the last hour and a half because Alex was recording a podcast. Yep. And I fell asleep on the bed, and I woke up, and now here we are. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So Alex, James is gonna improve his OHP. Yeah. I'm gonna. R E or W. Oh my gosh. W E D. Uh, I guess I'm going to go to the gym a little bit. Like, I would like to go to the gym or at least do something physical based. Even if I don't go to the gym, go run. Yeah. Three days out of the week. Yeah. I'd be happy. I think that Alex would be killed in a month. <laughs> yeah, because gym memberships cost money. So I'm probably not going to do it. I, you know, I just want to write every day. See, I'm already like, it's already 1030 on the first day of the new year. And any, everything I'm thinking of, it's already too late. I'm not going to do it. Like within the last, the next hour and a half. There's no way. So if I like do like a write every, or if I do a draw every day, I'm going to have to do like a smiley face on a piece of paper. If I'm going to make that thing happen. You would never draw. We'll see. I wrote today. I wrote a biography. I, I have a really great Man. support system here that really supports my <laughs> endeavors, which is why nothing succeeds. Um, <laughs> wow. All right, you guys. I have another question that will kind of lead into our, our topic for the day. Mm. What is a place that has closed that you miss, whether it be a business or a house been demolished, wherever? Hmm. I'm pretty apathetic to anything being destroyed. Yeah, maybe if it was like my home, then maybe I'd be sad. I think like the only thing I can think of is so back in Lexington, there was a theater at Lexington Green. It was like an older theater, but it had cheap movies. And that that's actually my answer. It's pretty nice. The Lexington so, Green movie theater. Also, there's one called South Park, and they were just like. Honestly, they were just disgusting old movie theaters, sticky floors. Yeah. They didn't have the uh, what's the the seating that they have nowadays? Stadium. The stadium seating. It was just like one level plane. Oh yeah. And it just reminds me of my childhood. Like I remember going to both of those mm-hmm. places and just watching movies, which is what got me interested in writing. And here I am today. Mm-hmm. So thanks, thanks for the memories, Lexington Green and Southland mm-hmm. movie theaters. Yeah. James, what about you? Uh, This one is really petty, but uh, I am very OCD, as you guys know. The local McDonald's. And whenever I go to the... (laughs) Almost. I mean, it's it's almost that bad. Uh, Whenever I go to the dentist or grocery shopping, I have to get Subway for no logical reason other than it's something I've done since I was little. So uh, the Subway nearest to me closed. And I am still not happy about that. You're still it means salty. That whenever I go grocery, sh- yeah, because I, I have to go, you know, a longer distance for, you know, it's literally the same sandwich like a mile down the road, <laughs> but it's just an extra mile. <laughs> so I'm mad. When? Uh, and speaking of, huh? When did it close? Uh, about six months ago. Oh, I'm so sorry, James. Had I known, I would have sent you a sympathy card. <laughs> uh, speaking of closings, man, I'll, there's been a lot of big businesses closing this year. Yeah. It's kind of shocking. Jimboree, Payless Shoes, Ugh. Charming Charlie, Topshop, 
Dress Barn, Shopco, uh, Charlotte Russe. Uh, do you have a eighty-five percent spreadsheet sitting there where you're just like, oh my gosh, like arrested? It's like a rest in this peace is, spreadsheet. You just type of each business. This is all from memory. No, I'm just kidding. I'm looking at it. Yeah, uh, I think that these are all of James's favorite places to shop. Jibbery. <laughs> a third, a third of the Gap stores are closing. That makes like, me sad. Cause I love Gap. I, the only yeah. store that's ever like chain business that's closed that I was like, I was like kind of affected by maybe was Toys R Us. Because it was like, you know, I can't take Gwen there. Charge. And they're coming back, I that's, hear. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, they're coming back, but like not in a big way, really. I don't yeah. think. If they come back in a big way, that'd be cool. <sighs> yeah. You know things are bad. Like, it does. I'm not trying to spill doom and gloom economic-wise. Things are up. But it's weird that Walmart is closing, like, uh, like 1% of their stores, which is not much. But That's, that's a lot. It's weird for them to shrink. Yeah. Well, I think they're still pretty healthy, but it is weird because 1% of Walmart is yeah. a lot. Yeah. Same thing with Dollar Store. That's like 3% reduction. I mean, those are two things you don't expect to see shrink. It's because they lie. They tell you it's Dollar Store and everything, and there's like at least $3. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> James, what do you think that it means for the future of the world that Walmart's closing uh, 1% of its stores? It means diversify. That's all. Well, this is. I thought, thought your... you were going to say it was Amazon's. I thought you were going to say it was Amazon was going to be corporate overlords. There yeah. you are. I'm, I'm just saying, like, don't put all your pennies in one basket. That was nonsense. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, pennies. Pennies works. It I, works. Yeah, I often carry pennies to the to, to the in store. a basket. In a yeah, basket. In a basket. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you guys, this has been Economics 101 with James. Are you guys yeah. ready to get into our topic today? I'm ready. Yeah. What What are we talking about, you guys? Abandoned places, cities. Or secret mostly. places. Secret places. Secret cities. Yeah. Abandoned cities. It's It was once on the map. Now it's gone. Or it's on the map. And you don't know about it. We're <laughs> talking about it. That's, that's right. <laughs> um, Lots of gusto coming from you. You, did, you need a nap before every podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I feel I feel awake and rested. And I'm ready to talk. <laughs> I'm off put. Um. <laughs> <laughs> did we introduce the podcast? I don't even know if we introduce podcasts. You know, this podcast, like you guys, it's the first podcast of the year. I guess it's technically a second because our whatever. Just go. <laughs> you know what? We're here. Oh man! This is the thirteenth floor. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And let's talk. All right. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't discuss who's going first. Do we want to do James first with the secret city, or do we want to do our? I'll go first. Okay, Alex is doing. <laughs> Don't ask me a question. And, Alex is doing an abandoned city. I'm doing an abandoned mm. city, and mine's pretty. The reason I was wanting to go first is it's interesting, but it's not super interesting. No, nothing horrible happened. Oh, so 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 get the get the uninteresting one out of the way first. Yeah, let's get the economic downturn out of the way. And then we'll get to, I don't know, whatever yours is. Maybe yeah. like a witch uh, <laughs> carried all the people out of the city and ate them. I don't know. But mine is just more of an economic thing. Oh, you, mm. so so basically, James's talk about diversifying yes. carries into your topic. Yeah, that's why I just <laughs> now picked this topic, and James's words really settled with me. They really spoke to yeah. your soul. I had a goblin carrying people away and eating all of them, but 
since you have right. a witch or something. All right. Let's talk about Fordlandia. You weren't supposed to give away my topic yet. Oh. You guys. <laughs> oh, no. All right, Alex. Talk about Fordlandia. All right. Fordlandia. So, okay. a city that briefly lived and quickly died because of its creator's hubris. This is like Cece when she talks about something sometimes. <laughs> a little theater, a little theatrics. But so I actually thought Forlandia was really interesting, mostly because Cece was going to do it and then she jumped ship and she said, Oh, I, I don't want to do it. It's not interesting. I and then I looked at it and I was like, This is interesting. I don't get economics. Like, that just doesn't, I, I don't do numbers. I don't do stuff like that. Well, that's why we're not talking about numbers. So if you wanted to build a utopia with your name printed all over it, where would you go? Well, hmm. you, you probably couldn't do it in the U.S., right? Because it's a little yeah. expensive here. Yeah. You maybe go do it out in the desert somewhere, but not exactly. Mm, not a good decision. I mean, no one would want to yeah. even move out there. So, I guess where else would you go if you wanted to do that? If you want to build a utopia? Cece, you can't answer? Nope. James, take, it, take a wild <laughs> guess. I would say... Polynesia. Polynesia. That's wow. actually a pretty good answer. Yeah. Do, you, do you know anything about yeah. Fordlandia, James? I do not. Oh, how <laughs> oh, Something at that. James doesn't know about? Ooh, he's learning <laughs> new things in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, the idea is to build this utopia where there's a lot of natural resources. Uh, and if you're building a business out of this utopia, you want to build it by resources that you can make into products. And that's how Fort Lania was born. And that's when Henry Ford was looking to build a utopia for a while. He actually first attempted in Alabama and it never really got out of the ground. Turns out building a city in a already established area and trying to build your own dam to provide power to the entire city isn't exactly doable. Maybe with a reasonable budget mm. or maybe a little too difficult. And when you say Henry Ford, you mean the... The Henry, the Ford, Henry Ford. The car manufacturer. Yeah. The guy who created Ford Motors. Yeah. So yeah. He, he wanted to build a city, but he also wanted that city to serve his business, correct? Yes, that's right. I feel like you've read about this already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, Henry Henry Ford was actually well-known for treating his employees really well. He was. Yeah. I didn't know that about him, but he was. Yeah, he paid his he paid his employees $5 an hour, which, when you convert it to today's Holy money... Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. And when you convert it to today's money, that means he was paying all of his employees $120 an hour when they were... I thought that it was salary. I didn't know it was hourly. Yeah, it's he's paying him five dollars an hour, which converts to one hundred twenty dollars an hour today. Man, that's how well his line workers were paid. So he was treating them pretty well. Now, if they were a Jew, he hated them, so they didn't work for him. So he wasn't anti-Semite. He wasn't exactly. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, he was an anti-Semite, and so he was going to give this treatment to wherever he built his new golden city. And so, where did he go? He went to Brazil. Why did he go to Brazil? I know. CC. <laughs> he was going for the Amazon rainforest. Because, uh, for a couple reasons. Rubber trees, I bet. Primarily rubber trees. You're okay. right. Uh, 
rubber trade. Yeah, and at one point, Amazon was a booming place for the production of rubber, something that he needed for, unsurprisingly, tires. Tires. They had Mm. Cece. Are you co-doing this with me? (laughs) They had recently, they had recently fallen on hard times as British production of of rubber had begun to like take over the world. And well, right Mm. around the time that he was inspecting the area of the Amazon to build his new city. Uh, British production actually began to hit some struggles of its own. So it was like the perfect time to strike and bring bring rubber back into it. So he decided that he should show those Brits how it's done and America mm-hmm. because he was starting to resent America because of how hard it was for him to pursue these other endeavors to build his mm-hmm. utopia. And so it feels he, like Bioshock. I know, right? Like real. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, this guy with unlimited money just creates whatever he wants. So he bought 5,500 square miles in the Amazon and he bought it for $125,000, which sat, which is a lot. But the, the funny thing is he actually got scammed when he did that because he could have almost got it all for free. But he actually uh, got scammed. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's already a bad start. So he's already been scammed out of all this money for this land that he could have gotten for pennies. And so he also has the right to run this area like its own state. And this is where his big dream begins. So immediately, poor decisions in where he purchased the land become pretty prevalent. So he built it in a higher place, which makes sense. And in the Amazon where it rains a lot, you don't want your place to flood. So he builds it in a a, uh, high area. But the problem is that because he's preventing this flooding, that means the river that the cargo usually comes in hits a rough area where there's lots of rocks and stuff, which means they can't transport anything to his new city because of that river, because, of, because when it's not the rainy season, the the river is too rocky and would damage the ships. Mm. Yeah. So immediately there's issues and there's a delay in building it. So then when, the cargo issues were resolved and things were coming in during the rainy season. He decided that he's going to build a city. He builds an iconic water tower that is still there today, but it doesn't have the the Ford logo on it and it doesn't have water in it. Yeah. But mm. he also decides to make this really great decision. It's just brilliant. He decides to make a area for the Americans and, the Amer- and an area for the Brazilians. The Americans get a nice view of the entire area and running water. The Brazilians oh, no. go to the well, my friend. Oh. <laughs> uh, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, it's not the maybe maybe not the worst idea to keep to initially separate the two because of different cultural ideals sure. and that type of thing. The language barrier is a big one, but. You give them different amenities and you treat them differently. That's where the problem becomes. Yeah, and no. especially, honestly, I think you should just throw them all together immediately because that's when you get problems uh, when you separate people. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is a pretty big problem. So that that's, that's a pretty bad one, right? Yeah. The good news is, is Ford, known for paying well, is paying well. Even though these people are having to go to the well, he's paying them pretty well. They're probably not used to that type of pay. Yeah, they're not. They're not. And another problem that occurred is, well, when you're in the Amazon, you got to cut down the Amazon. Yeah. That's expensive. It's that hard takes, work. That's, that's a lot of labor. 
And turns out there's not a lot of people in that area that are able to cut down the Amazon the way that he's wanting to, essentially in mass swaths. So it's slow going. And one of Ford's plans with that wood that was being cut down was to sell it. And that way he could be making a profit while they're tearing off, the while they're cleaning the land before he's able to make the rubber. Well, the wood's not good quality. He can't sell it. <laughs> so oh, he's losing money off that. And he's not making rubber. So he's losing money on that. He also tried to enforce like bizarrely strict rules on this new community that he's created. Like, no alcohol? Yeah, right. Yeah, no alcohol. In Brazil. Okay. Good luck with that, <laughs> my friend. And it was impossible to control such a rule. And it often led to several people getting fired and this type of thing. A lot of, I guess, distrust. Because no one could keep a lid on it. Not that it, But it's a problem that probably would never have been a problem if he didn't make it a problem. Right? Yeah. So... Then a big thing happens. There's a big fight between the manual laborers and the skilled laborers. And essentially, most people in the area rallied behind the manual laborers and proceeded to vandalize the entire city, destroying like the generators, the manufacturing equipment. They even were destroying their own homes. It was so bad that the staff escaped by ship and British military personnel were even flown in. Uh. Yeah. I know I say this like every episode, but how is this not a movie? I know, right? (laughs) I know, right? But the thing is, after what looked like the end, things actually turned around. And under a guy named Archibald Johnson, he started bringing in more amenities, paving roads throughout the entire town. He finished all the housing. And he even went ahead and built an entertainment area where people could go and watch Hollywood movies. It was really cool They looking. held dances. Yeah, it was cool looking. And they even improved the schools and hospitals that were built there. Like that, This was a real city. And things were going good. It finally looked like Fordlandia, which I haven't mentioned it yet, but who puts their own name in a land like that? Fordlandia. He makes Henry, it sound like it's Disney World. Henry Ford does. Golly. The hubris of this guy, right? So, it looked like Fort Landia was going to become a thing. Except one big thing was still missing. Rubber. <laughs> the whole reason he's there. Rubber plants were failing to grow. Native parasites and poor soil were resulting in plants that just didn't provide what they were the rubber that they were needing. So, Fort Landia was not profitable. And somehow, someone convinced a second town to be built. Belterra. That town... Failing as well. And when World War II hits, these towns are filled with soldiers. And now, I, I don't think anyone was kicked out of their homes, but the manufacturing plants were filled with soldiers. They were taken over. Yep. And then Henry Ford gets ill, passes the company to Henry Ford II, his grandson, who immediately gets rid of everything that doesn't make money. And thus, the town is completely given up on. They sell it for mm. they sell it for less than they paid for it, and the Americans went home, and the Brazilians were just stuck there. Like, what the heck? Yeah, what do we do now? So everyone left, and for like decades, only a hundred people lived there. But recently, actually, the population started to surge. People Has it been, really? <laughs> yeah, people have been wanting to get away from everything. 
It actually has a population of over 3,000 people right now. Whoa, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was an abandoned city that became unabandoned. It looks like something out of like a video game. Like if you yeah, look up it pictures, is, it it's really cool to look at the pictures from like way back in the day when it was up and running to what it looks like now. Because it's just like these buildings that, you know, they're kind of haunting, but they're beautiful. And there are like plants growing inside of them. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a cool looking little city that is. It, I, I'm surprised anyone lives there because it looks like it's just completely abandoned. Yeah, it does. Yeah, of course, those are interesting pictures to take. Yeah, too. So you don't want to take pictures of people sitting outside of their houses. No, that's boring. That's boring. I, I can see that at home. Yeah, exactly. Just step outside <laughs> and see my neighbors sitting on their porch. But yeah, that's the story of Fordlandia. Fordlandia. A Ford chooses a Chevy obeys. <laughs> oh cool this, this ford chose wrong yeah this ford chose mm. incorrectly but <laughs> his his legacy still lives on if people are still living in fordlandia yeah i saw different conflicting reports on it on whether people move there because of people are actually nostalgic about kind of like what happened there and there's like a lot of history to it and that type of thing and then i saw other reports that people don't really care and that they they just they want, just want, they just want to go to there to kind of get away. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So. Cool. Fordlandia, you guys. Yeah. There's actually a documentary about it, too. And a guy that oh. was born there goes back there and meets someone else that was born there recently. Hmm. And he talks to the kid. Huh. Yeah. It's really interesting. Well, high five, Alex. James, <laughs> do you want to go next? Sure. All right. What are you talking about? Yeah, this is the topic that sort of set off our conversation about, you know, this is a concept because I didn't know about this until 2019. So, yeah, I mean, like if you ask me any question about Oak Ridge, Tennessee, I would think like, oh, like the Oak Ridge boys. (laughs) You know, that's like what I would think, you know, giddy up. That's what I would think if you said Oak Ridge. But turns out Oak Ridge has a fascinating history. So imagine this. Imagine that uh, the year is 1942 and you live in Tennessee. You live around the in the ballpark of Knoxville, which has like 100,000 people. And you start noticing murmurs from people nearby like, Oh yeah, the government bought my land for like next to nothing, and and I, I I couldn't turn them down. Like they just forced me to. And you're like, that's weird. You're like the fifth person I talked to that that's happened to. And then the next thing you know, just overnight, there's this town called Oak Ridge, and every now and again, somebody you know from around the Knoxville area, they they just go to work at Oak Ridge, and they never go out of Oak Ridge. They like they never visit their family in other towns. It's just weird. Every now and again you meet somebody from Oak Ridge and they're just real taciturn about it. Huh. They don't really they they just clam up about anything. So what do you do for a living in Oak Ridge? Ah, uh, this and that. Oh, okay. Mm. Well uh, you know, just just creepy weird stuff, right? Yeah. Additionally, let's say you're a truck driver through that area. You know, it's weird enough that you've seen all these people have to sell their land. Uh, up to a point where you may not have a hard figure, but turns out it was 60,000 acres oh. that just the government bought very short period of time and uh-huh. created a town virtually overnight. 
you also notice that even though it's uh, wartime, you know, everybody else is having meatless Tuesdays. You're a truck driver. You go through uh, that area. You're dropping off top-notch produce and lots and lots of meat, like stuff that your average Joe in Tennessee absolutely could not afford, and yet they're buying it by the score, you know? Hmm. It's not really... It's not really adding up, especially given the population, which that that alone is weird. All of a sudden, this place, it, it doesn't even exist on the map, and now it's got 100,000 people? That That's nuts, wow. right? Yeah, that's weird. That's insane. Yeah. So then, years later, people start looking into the energy expenditure, and they find out that this little Tennessee town uses up half the country's energy. What? Half the country's energy? That's right. So what is going on? What's happening in Oak Ridge? Well, this was all declassified much, much later, but turns out Oak Ridge is where the uranium enrichment plants, K25 and Y12, the liquid thermal diffusion plant, S50, and the pilot plutonium production reactor, X10 graphite reactor, was held. In other words, this was ground zero for the Manhattan Project. Wow. This is where, yeah, this is the this is really the spot where World War II truly ended before it really ended. And the, wow. the undertaking of this town is massive. Uh, originally, it was just going to be a military reservation for like 13,000 people, prefab houses, trailers, dorms, things like that. But by the time the... Uh, Engineer District Headquarters removed from D.C. to Tennessee in 43. Wow, a lot of that rhymed. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they had expanded it all the way up to house 45,000 people. And by the end of the war, it was the fifth largest city in Tennessee. So massive, massive snowballing from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your average person's life, I mean, this was kind of like the Silicon Valley of the day. These were, I mean, and it wasn't even necessarily like specialized skills either. Uh, again, Knoxville was nearby and they had like a hundred thousand people. This was like during wartime expansion and industrialization. So you got a lot of people in the area who are just really champing at the bit for a job that doesn't involve, you know, growing tobacco or something. Yeah. yeah. So they were able to import a lot of people to do manual labor and the like for obscene amounts of money. I mean, you, these people were getting paid good. They did not have meatless Tuesdays. You know, they were all living very comfortably at Oak Ridge. Um, and a lot of these houses, they called them alphabet houses because uh, there were the two bedroom A houses, the extra bedroom C houses, and the D houses, which had a dining room. And they made 3,000 of these type homes. These were like sort of a cement compound called Semesto. And they were, uh, again, this town, it, it came into being overnight. These these houses, these prefab houses were the kind of thing that you could just set up like immediately. It was almost like a military bivouac, except it looked more like flipping Pleasantville. Man. And uh, yeah. And in uh, 42, the first year of it, of it existing, they uh, they built the X-10 graphite reactor, which uses like a lattice of graphite blocks and uranium rods. And this was actually uh, discovered by Enrico Fermi. So, like, you've got a huge name attached to this in addition to, uh, I'm sure you all are familiar with Oppenheimer. Yeah. Well, we've also got Fermi involved in this. So, I mean, this is just, 
it almost feels like a sci-fi story. It feels like some sort of weird steampunk Tennessee uh, alternate history story, but it absolutely happened. And I'm just absolutely shocked that I didn't know about this until a few months ago. I'd never heard of uh, it until one of my coworkers yeah. was like, you should do an episode on Oak Ridge. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'd never and, heard of uh, it. This is so insane. Yeah. And here's a big, uh, here's a big name that we, we will probably throw around in several episodes when we talk about like other secret societies and big names and big families. People think about the Rockefellers and they think about the Rothschilds and, and things like that. But one family that we often overlook are the DuPonts. Well, they were directly involved. You know, one of the DuPonts signed the Declaration of Independence. And not too long ago, a DuPont did some horrible things that I won't even mention, but didn't spend a night in jail. Well, in 1943, they broke ground for the X-10 complex. That's, this was DuPont making this. They made an air-conditioned experimental power reactor, which is also a, a, a separation plant. And what this pretty much does is it separates different chemical compounds in order to enrich uranium and also to dispose of uh, uh, the uranium slugs that, you know, would initially be dropped into the uh, the cells and dissolve in order to extract like pure weapons grade uranium. Ew. So, yeah, weird stuff, right? So, and, you know, every we know the history about what ultimately happened. We know that we made atomic bombs. We know that as a result of making those atomic bombs that we won the war. Um, well, after that, you know, what what's going to happen to this town, right? Yeah. Well, they shut the pile down. They shut the X-10 down. Um, they did actually make uh, radioisotopes initially, but that didn't last less than 20 years. And so then it was ultimately made into like a historic, get this. I mean, this, this sounds like a made up word, a national historic chemical landmark. <laughs> a chemical landmark. What? Right. I was like, for, for whom would you call? I mean, yeah, super weird, right? At the top of my bucket list um, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And ult, uh, you know, after several decades of, of this bizarre secretive stuff, Finally, it was declassified. Everybody's familiar with Oak Ridge now, just not its past. And they even have like a board of tourism. They're trying to get people to like go four wheeling in Oak Ridge now. <laughs> wow. What's the. It's very strange. Is the town radioactive? Like. No, no. Um, all of that stuff has been properly disposed of. Uh, it's absolutely safe for, for visiting. Okay, good. One interesting thing about it is they actually had a lot of automation, like like early automation in order to like, deal with cleaning and stuff like that. But interestingly enough, because automation was so primitive, they actually imported a lot of uh, black laborers to do so, those sorts of jobs. And they were very segregated at the time, which shouldn't come as a surprise. It's just interesting to note that even with a secret city, uh, the, the routine politics of Tennessee of the day still kind of followed them there. <laughs> so wow. just kind of an interesting thing to note. Yeah, there's. I highly encourage people. We should actually put some stuff of that on uh, social media because there's a lot of fascinating old photographs. Like I'm looking at one right now of uh, Calatron operators at their panels, which is all women, which, again, a lot, there was a disproportionate amount of women in this area because where were the dudes? They were fighting World War Two. Yeah. So 
it's just really fascinating to see. It looks absolutely fictional. It looks like something out of a movie, especially, especially the Y-12 plant, because they used a racetrack-style uranium, uranium refinery, and it looks like something out of Star Wars. It is not, it doesn't look like something from 1942. That is for effing sure. Wow. And yeah, yeah. The, the bars actually at the top are solid silver too. Man. Like this was all very expensive. And I also really encourage people to look up, just look up uh, uh, Oak Ridge temporary housing because it, there's something incredibly eerie. It makes me think of that Little Boxes song. You know, you know what I'm talking about? That wartime protest song? Maybe. Little boxes on the hillside. You know what I'm talking no, about? No, I have no idea, James. Oh, what? <laughs> okay, well, that's what it makes me think of because, again, these prefab homes that they were able to make overnight, they're on, like, little stilts, and they're just the, – again, because it's military, you know, they're they're looking for efficiency, not, not aesthetics. It's a town like any other, and the people are well-paid, and they're they're eating nice food that you can't get anywhere else, but the houses themselves – look like something out of a dystopian nightmare movie. They're just, they're such carbon copies that it is mind-blowing. It makes me think of, and I know this is different, but kind of similar, but the opening scene of the Hulk movie with Eric Bana, where they're... Oh, where they're... Speaking of of a Hulk movie, they even had comic books. Uh, There's actually a a wonderful picture via The Atlantic of a young boy who is not selling lemonade in a lemonade stand. He's selling comic books. And I'm actually looking, there's a Captain Marvel Jr. issue that a uh, young lady is ogling. Huh. Man. Well, you know, when we were coming home from Christmas, and this is something that, like, we drive past Oak Ridge all the time when we drive back down to Atlanta. But oh, when I was driving, yeah. when we were driving down this time, we passed the sign that said Oak Ridge. And I was like, wow, James is going to be talking about that next week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's bizarre, man. They also uh, tested um, mice in atomic tests mm-hmm. just to, to sort of figure out, like, what does radiation do in terms of influencing inherited traits? In other words, you know, if, if you expose one animal to radiation and then it has children, are they going to be uh, altered in any way? And sure enough, that's, you know, it's interesting to note because I don't normally associate biology with any of these studies, especially regarding uh, atomic energy. You'd think they'd be apathetic about it, really, at the time. Like, who cares what happens? You know, we're at war. But they actually, the Atomic Energy Commission actually uh, did a lot of research into that, and they found out that absolutely radiation causes hereditary mutations, um, including just uh, one of the most interesting one, in my opinion, is sort of like, smaller offspring by a pretty wide margin. They they actually compared two siblings, one of whom got mutated by uh, an inherited radiation uh, mutation. And the, the regular mouse is about four inches or uh, centimeters rather, whereas its litter mate who has the mutation is about uh, like two and a half. Hmm. So pretty notable. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of eerie to think about because we don't Tend, I mean, we tend to think about like radiation poisoning, but not passing on altered traits to future generations as a result. Hmm. Hmm. And they were thinking about that. Wow. Yeah, they were actually thinking about that. That surprises it wasn't me. Just, right? Yeah. Um, now, the big question that I think this raises is not, you know, the, just the fascinating history of Oak Ridge itself, um, but rather nobody knew about this place really 
while this was going on. So, uh, you know, again, uh, it reminds me of when people say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory to think that something like that could happen again. Sure, it could. It begs the question, are there any secret cities right now that we don't know about? But, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, So, yeah, I think there's a a bit of a cautionary tale to take from that, too. But that uh, that covers Oak Ridge for me. So take it away, Cece. (laughs) Oh, all right, you guys. Let me pull up my notes. I'm talking about Coleman's Cop in Namibia. Hmm. Have you ever heard of Coleman's Cop, James? I haven't, but I know that Namibia is where a lot of Boer people are, and I'm guessing that's the ones who came up with it because it sounds very Dutch. It's well, witch? it's very German. Is there a witch? That oh, eats German. People? There are no witches that eat people. So not I that predict, I'm aware of. I predicted wrong. No. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but I got most of my information from National Geographic and a blog by a woman named Roxanne Reed, and she took a tour of Coleman's Cop and wrote about her experience there. It's very inf- informative. Roxanne. <laughs> yeah, Roxanne. There's lots of music this episode. Um, yeah. But highly recommend checking out her blog. It's pretty cool. But I'm talking about the ghost town of Coleman's Cup, located within the Namib Desert in Namibia, Africa. And I'd never heard of it before. It's a it's uh, an abandoned town, obviously, ghost town. I Alex and I, we got this magazine <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's a life magazine. Yeah, it's a life magazine, and it's called Ghost Towns, and it just has like 100 ghost mm. towns in it. And that's kind of where I learned yeah. about We had picked Coleman's our topic, Cup. and then I just walked by it, and I saw it, and... Yeah, because we picked out of the vase mm. last time, ghost town slash abandoned towns, and then it was just like it was like God was pointing us oh, in yeah. the direction of that magazine. Yeah, top of his to do list. <laughs> Alex looked over at it, and it was like the rays of sunshine mm-hmm. went upon the magazine. Turns out it was just a hole in the ceiling. It was yeah. a hole in the ceiling. I read through the entire magazine on our way home because there are lots of abandoned cities out there, you guys, a lot of them, but. The thing that really captured my attention for a Coleman's cop is just how beautiful it is. Like it's very eerie and haunting, but in a stunning way is it's in the desert. Uh, if you've never heard of it, I highly recommend looking it up because it's these houses, these empty houses and buildings that are just filled with sand drifts. It looks like something that you would see in a painting, like a very surreal painting. But, and I found a really great video on YouTube that kind of is, it goes through the ruins and it's by a guy named Eric Bartolo and I'm going to post it on our Facebook page. So Coleman's cop, it kind of sprang forth in 1908 after a Namibian railroad worker named Zacharias Luwala found something shimmering in the desert sand. Mm, Diamonds. Yeah. If it's in Africa, it's diamonds. It was a diamond. (laughs) And you know what he did with this precious gem? Uh, I guess he sold it to somebody. No, he didn't sell it to anybody. He showed it to his boss. It's an honest guy. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Never show your boss. Never show your boss. <laughs> he showed his boss, a guy named August Staunch, and August was like, whoa, it's diamond. And he took the diamond, and next thing you know, all these German prospectors are migrating to the area to look for more treasure, and Coleman's cop was born. And poor Zacharias mm. allegedly never got anything for his fine, too, which of just sucks. <sighs> I feel like he, he was working for somebody, so you, you can't expect him to keep it. I would keep it. Are you kidding? He he just found it sitting yeah, in the sand. Yeah, that's what I do. Just keep it. He probably he might not have known wow. it was. No honesty between any of these people. I would have given it to the man immediately. 
because I'm an honest man. <laughs> I have then, integrity. And then you would have said, oh, thanks. <laughs> Go get back to shoveling sand off the railroad tracks. I'd been like, thank you, sir. Oh, my gosh. I love sand. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, man. Prior to the city's creation, uh, about four years before the diamonds were found, there was some serious colonial violence in the area, mm. obviously, mm. Um, against the local Namibian people. It does have kind of a dark beginning. Mm. A lot of people don't really mm. think about that. They just see the diamonds and go, whoa, but there was some some bad stuff going on there. So the Germans basically came in, took lives, land, and resources. And in, tw- in 2004, I saw some Wikipedia, but in 2004, the German government actually recognized and apologized for the events that occurred. But but they did rule out any reparations for victims' descendants. Huh. So at its peak, Coleman Scott had about 1,300 residents and produced about a million carats of diamonds a year. Wow. A million carats. They had diamond mines, but they were apparently so plentiful that you could just like pluck them out of the sand. Like, they were everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Since this town was primarily occupied by Germans, the structures were very Germanesque. Lots of Edwardian architecture mm. in the area. It, Which, you know, maybe that's something else that stuck out to me when I was looking at the pictures. Is like, you don't expect to see an Edwardian building in the middle of a desert in Africa. But there they are. Mm. It was very luxurious, you guys. This town was amazing. It... Had little homes, obviously, but the town also had a hospital that could treat up to 200 people. And it had the very first x-ray machine in Southern Africa. Wow. Yeah, fancy, mm. fancy. It had an entertainment hall. And to this day, it's still said to have the best acu- acoustics acoustics in the area. It's one. I think it's oh. one of the structures that's like held up the best. And a lot of the town has since been kind of restored since it's become kind of a tourist attraction now, but... They would, back in the day, they would apparently have opera singers flown into town to come and sing to these people at Coleman's Cup. And they had a Skittles alley. Do you guys know what Skittles is? Yes, delicious candies, rainbow colored. (laughs) No, it's a game. It's actually a lot like bowling. They said that bowling came from the game of Skittles where you just roll a ball and you hit some pins. Skittles is stupid. They're called Skittles, though. So they had a Skittles alley. And the town had a power station. So the town had coal-fueled electricity weekdays from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, huh. Monday through Friday. The weekends, they, they were like, nobody <laughs> needs electricity on the weekends. Yeah. so No recreational right. electricity yeah. for but you. Can you imagine how dark this town must have been when the electricity was off? I bet you could see every star in the sky. Almost like it didn't have a light. But another prominent place in town included the ice factory. They had water pumped in, and each family got half a block of ice a day, which seems pretty pretty luxurious to me. Depends on what a block is. Yeah, well, yeah maybe if it's just a cube. <laughs> it turns out, yeah, it's just a cube. Well, it was also apparently free. The ice was free. A lot of the water that people got was free. They, If you moved to this town, they wanted you to stay here and work for them, so you got a lot of free stuff here. But no recreational electricity for you. No, no. Just go play some Skittles in the dark. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> but... People, the people will get 20 free liters of fresh water a day, and the richer people would apparently use some of their water to create little gardens and grass patches outside their houses to kind of cut down on the sand and dust. But that doesn't seem like, it seems like a waste of water to me to be building a grass patch in the middle of the desert. Maybe they're growing carrots. Maybe. I can't say. But the town had a police station (laughs) because, you know, you got to enforce the law. It had a school. There were about 40 kids who lived and grew up here. In Coleman Scott, 
at a general store where the owner, according to Roxanne Ray's blog, the owner was said to be the richest person in town because you could pay for your goods with diamonds if you had them. Oh. And you know people were pocketing wow. diamonds if yeah. there's that many of them. Oh, yeah. I, I would adore if a client paid me with a diamond. Yeah. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Girl yeah. can dream, can't she? Uh, that would be $20. I'm sorry. Uh, will you take diamonds? Yeah, will you take a diamond <laughs> instead? <laughs> but Coleman's Cop also had a bakery and a butcher shop. So overall, pretty ritzy. And residents would sit and sip their tea and their champagne with the pinkies out of Kitchen Drift. Very fancy. <laughs> fancy. If you catch my sand drift. <laughs> I like what I did there. <laughs> so life in Coleman's Cop was good for the Germans. That is until they started to run out of diamonds, you guys. Yeah, obviously the supply began to become depleted, especially after World War II. Dig deeper. Well, people started to hit the road and headed south because in 1928, an even better diamond patch was found. About 170 miles south. So Coleman's Cop started to decline after that. And by 1956, it was fully abandoned. So left to the desert. Hmm. And the desert certainly had its way with the town. Hmm. And some of the city, as I said a little while ago, has been restored over the years. It's a tourist attraction now. About 35,000 people are said to visit Coleman's Cop every year. And it's, it's on my bucket list. Like, for real, for real. I want to go here. But the coolest <laughs> thing about the ruins is that some of them are deteriorating, obviously. Um, and they're, they're filled with those sand drifts. Yeah. Look up pictures. It's amazing. Yeah, they've got, like, thigh-high sand. Or, yeah. Or not thigh, but uh, And you know, like, when, when the wind blows on the sand and it kind of creates that little oscillating, like, the little ripples? Yeah. Oh, it's so pretty. <sighs> so... Very surreal. And the sands, in some of these houses, the, the houses are so filled with sand that it's like pushed doors open and the doors are just like lodged open. And it's just, it's a really cool town that made me want to, to talk about it. Huh. And the photographs are just stunning and they're thought provoking. When I see them, it makes me think about like what life must have been like prior to the town's demise. People, mm. you know, people used to occupy and carry out and live their lives here. And now it's just being devoured by the desert. But what what kind of stories would the walls have to share if they could speak? Oh, boy. Oh, I want to know more. But that thought, you guys, led me down my rabbit hole this episode. The thought of the walls talking? Just the thought of, like, <laughs> the you know, deteriorating beauty. Okay. Yeah, abandoned mm. places. And so I did a lot of reading on urban exploration. Ah. Yeah. And it's actually a pretty popular pastime for some people. I'm like, not surprised. I, yeah, I totally get it. I totally understand it. But mm. urban exploration involves exploring man-made structures. Most of them abandoned. Not all of them, though. But you, you guys, sometimes when I'm like on the interwebs, I'm just looking stuff up. I'll come across like an article that shows pictures of an abandoned mall and stuff like that. Yeah. And every time I come across an article like that, I have to stop and read it. Like, I just have to stop and look at the pictures. Yeah. But mm. what is it like for me? It's just like, what is it about these places that fascinate people so much? Yeah. I think it's the inevitability. I mean, really, that's the fate of every town and every everything. Exactly. You know, the whole Ozymandias thing. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's dark to think about, but it's, I don't know. Yeah, I think cool. it's why yeah. I think it's like the same same reason why people are so obsessed with true crime and murder. Yeah, because like, murder is inevitable. <laughs> 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 well, did you guys know that urban exploration is also referred to urbex? I don't know what that means. What? 
Urbex. U-R-B-E-X. It's like a shortened urbex uh, version. Urbex. I've not heard of that. Yeah, it's called Building Hacking, Mousing, and Draining. Ooh, draining was res- you. Yeah, I know. It specifically refers to the exploration of sewers and storm drains, which... No, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm all right. Ancient it's very dangerous. Uh, but <laughs> there are a lot of risks that obviously come into play when you're an urban explorer, an urbexer. <laughs> Primarily pink eye. <laughs> yeah, pink eye in the storm drains. <laughs> well, here's a couple of things. Number one, building stability. If you're exploring a dilapidated building, it might just crumble underneath you or what. What happens if the roof caves in over top of your head? What cooler way to go than having a building fall on you? <laughs> They'll never find you. That's the problem. <laughs> Two, broken glass slash jagged metals. Uh, yeah. Tetanus shot city, I'm sure. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> yeah, with my luck, I'd probably step on a rusty nail. Mm. My dad actually did that once. We were knocking down our garage at my childhood home. We stepped on a boardman. Nail went through his leg. That happened to my dad. He, my jumped, dad. Out, he jumped out of a uh, he jumped out of a treehouse and landed on a nail, like a board with a nail going through, and went through his foot. Yeah, that oh oh, it just makes my entire body like. James, <laughs> James have you ever stepped on a nail before? I have stepped on a, a rather large piece of broken glass, but not a nail. James, why weren't you looking out for the glass? Was it hard it's to clear. see? <laughs> All right, three, harmful substances like chemicals, asbestos, and maybe even... Asbestos? asbestos. It sounds like a snack. <laughs> maybe you, even... What? Animal feces. Have you not heard of as- asbestos? Oh, okay. How do you say it? Yeah. Asbestos. I can't... That's the, asbestos. How do you say it? Asbestos. Asbestos. What? No. How do you say it? I've asbestos. never heard anyone say Asbestos. Asbestos. I know that's how it's spelled, but I've never heard a single person say asbestos. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say asbestos. Like, I've, only, I've like, only heard asbestos. That sounds like the old-timey way, like people who say robot instead of robot. <laughs> or diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> diabetes. Well, oh, man. We went off substance. course here. We don't, mm-hmm. You guys, we don't have to, like, is this a gang up on CC episode? Because oh. I feel like I'm being... <laughs> Well, J- James just came to your defense, so you might be okay. Yeah, I was to say. I've never heard a seal. I don't know. I've got tears collecting in the corner of my eyes. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> stay away from the chemicals, you guys. So some urbexers wear respiratory masks when they explore, but I have a feeling like a lot of them probably don't because you don't want to be the nerd wearing the respiratory mask when you're draining. <laughs> but James, if you ever go ex- urban exploring... You better put on a respiratory mask. Oh, oh asbestos. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on <laughs> to danger number four: flash flooding slash poor air quality. This is the highlight of my life. I got something right that James didn't. <laughs> all right, sorry. Let's go to yours. Flash flooding slash poor air quality. This is mostly for sewer and storm drains, obviously. But if it starts raining heavily, those storm drains, they fill up pretty quickly. Yeah. So you can drown while you're draining. That's why you don't drain. No, just don't drain. Just, you guys. Don't drain. <laughs> there's, there's no reason to get down yeah. in that sewer. Have a drain. brain. Yeah. Don't drain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, five. Police slash guard dogs. A lot of places are obviously under security, you guys. They don't want people coming inside the building that's falling down. Yeah. You might get bit on a 
butt by a giant dog. Okay. Six stray needles and drug paraphernalia. Oh. Yeah. Some abandoned places attract, you know, a certain crowd who might leave their needles behind. Oh, I was picturing really old needles, like someone accidentally getting the bubonic plague. Yeah, don't, you guys, don't Oops. step or put your hand on a needle. Oh, the thought of it makes my body hurt. That's like one of my yeah. biggest fears, accidentally Me getting too. poked with somebody else's needle. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <sighs> All right, seven. This is the last one. Perhaps the one that scares me the most, too, though. And it's probably the least likely to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Alligator attack. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Angry squatters. Uh, CC is terrified of this happening in our own home. Can you imagine <laughs> walking into a place thinking it's going to be empty, and next thing you know, you've got some crazy man with a switchblade screaming at you to get out of their house. CC literally thinks that sometimes there's someone living in our little attic. attic. I have. I, you know, I've gotten really mm-hmm. scared before. Why don't we leave for a while? Because she's heard stories of someone like, living in someone else's house for like years. Yeah. It makes me want to like set up shop when you guys go on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) We come home and James is just like, he's made our house his home. Okay. So obviously you guys, if you're going to become urban explorers, it's best to ask permission. If you're going to be going into a a place, try to ask for permission. A lot of times you have to get permits. Yeah. Sometimes you do. But urban exploration, a lot of photographers do it, which I totally get because you go and you take these amazing Mm -hmm. pictures. Um, also always take someone with you. Don't go urbexing by yourself. Cause like, what if an angry squatter breaks your leg? <laughs> well, also mm-hmm. if you're a photographer, it's hard to take pictures when you've gotten pink eye. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I'll leave you guys today with the urban explorers unspoken rule. Take nothing but photographs. Leave nothing but uh. footprints. Oh, yeah, that's the rule for, like, hiking and stuff, too. Yeah, just take pictures. Just leave your footprints. It's not that hard. Leave a needle for somebody. No, don't leave a needle. <laughs> don't leave a needle. Yeah, you guys, that's Coleman's Cop. That's cool. Urban Exploration. Thank you. Mm, I thought you it was said, pretty cool. You said it's kind of coming back because it's a tourist destination? Yeah, it's a pretty – I mean, it's it's becoming more of a tourist destination. But That's cool. Yeah, I want to go. Alex, we, we yeah. can go to, to Namibia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's definitely in the top places I want to be. Well, this is the thing. You want to go sooner than later because they say these buildings are really deteriorating pretty fast now. Mm. So before they disappear completely, go see them. Live the dream. Find a diamond. Find a diamond, you guys. What if they forgot one? Oh, and yeah, it's there on the missed, floor. You know someone missed one diamond for sure. <sighs> so Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Uh the hunt is on. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to our Secret town slash abandoned cities conversations? No. Oh, you guys. You guys are so special. All right. What does that mean? Are we ready? Are we ready to draw our episode for next week? Let me clean out all of our stuff. Oh, I know. We haven't done this in a while. Do you all believe that there's actually abandoned cities? (laughs) (laughs) Why, yes, I do. Well, you know what? Before we draw, what? listeners, if you've, if you've made it through this podcast, if you're all the way here, I want to ask a favor of you, okay? Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We have had a lot of new listeners lately. So welcome, welcome, welcome. There's somebody in Germany that's listening to all of our stuff. So Jeff, if you're in Germany, German shout out. 
but rate, review, and subscribe when you, especially if you review, you don't have to say, you, you don't have to say anything. You can just say, Cece has a beautiful, angelic, melodious voice. And I thought you said they didn't have to say anything. I would like them to say something. You can also just voice. give a five-star review and not say anything. That's true. That's true. <laughs> rate, review, subscribe, help us out, and we can we can reach more <laughs> listeners. You don't have to say anything but a compliment to Cece. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> also, follow us on Instagram, 13th Floor Podcast. Or if you have a topic that you want to send us that you want us to talk about, um, send it to us, 13thfloorpodcast at gmail.com. All right, Alex, pick out next week's episode. Oh, I dropped it. Oh, you guys, next week we are talking about, Alex, say it. Ancient aliens. So that's what we're talking about next week. You guys have a lot to look forward to because I don't know a darn thing about ancient aliens. <sighs> All I know is they built the pyramids. That's what Alex says. That's what I hear. <laughs> All right, you guys. Are we ready to go? Am I Am I going to go back upstairs and go to sleep like for real this time? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And, and uh, <laughs> What just happened? You okay? I forgot where I was. Until next time, you guys, we hope that you can keep keep it strange. Ford chooses a Chevy obeys.